Welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest on developments that will impact the user experience of personal devices and services in the home, in the car, and while mobile. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Derek Vita, flying solo today on this one. As researchers, Chris, Lisa, and I have a number of tools in our tool belt to explore end-user issues in the areas we cover, automotive, smart home, mobile devices, wireless services, and so forth. These include in-depth interviews and cognitive walkthroughs, survey work, focus groups, including participatory design sessions, heuristic evaluations, out-of-box studies, observational research, and so forth. But COVID has put a damper on a lot of that toolkit, as in-person studies have been curtailed, and even in areas where it's allowed, there's a number of challenges. So today on the podcast, we're going meta and looking at the nuts and bolts that go into actually doing research in the time of COVID-19. To help provide some insight today, I'm joined by someone who knows these challenges better than anyone, Paul Brown, who's Director of UX Projects for Strategy Analytics and is responsible for scoping and executing bespoke UX projects for our clients all over the world. Paul, welcome. Hi, Derek. Thanks for having me. So uh, to start with, Paul, just give me a bit of a run through in terms of what you do and how you do it for strategy analytics. Sure, yeah. So within strategy analytics, I'm in the UX team as well. And my responsibility is to lead all of the UX project work that we do. So that's all the bespoke confidential client work that we undertake using a lot of the tools that you just ran through, um, a lot of methodologies but everything is on an ad hoc basis. So if a client has a new product that they're thinking of launching and they want to get some feedback before it hits the market, we might do a usability test on it. Um, It might be earlier in the product lifecycle development where at the opportunity stage, perhaps we might look at defining some of the different use cases, looking at the different personas, types of people who will be using those products, helping them with some of the concept development and so on. Cool. So in these interesting and, as Chris likes to say, unprecedented times that we uh, live in, certainly some things have changed at the front end of that when you're talking with clients in terms of scoping research. Can you talk a bit about what, if anything, has changed at the scoping side during these times? Yeah, absolutely. So I think when it comes to speaking with clients this year, there's a lot that's changed from their perspective. For certain clients, as you said, it's unprecedented times. A lot of them have just simply had budgets cut. So they are having less opportunity to do research, less money to spend on sort of non, I guess what they deem non-essential services. So that has definitely been a bit of an impact. But then there's also, I think, some companies that have had corporate policy that have mandated no in-person research at the moment and also no travel for employees and I think when you do consumer research you really like to have the client you're working with there to observe it and it just makes I think it seem a lot more real to them being able to watch people interact with their products and services. So to your point, I I noticed myself early on in what I would call the lockdown phase in earlier 2020, where markets were moving towards this idea of everybody staying in place, nobody's allowed to travel, really curtailed that in-person research aspect of what strategy analytics does. 
I noticed increased interest in remote research and especially surveys. I know my inbox was full of all these different surveys that clients were all of a sudden very interested in doing. Can you talk a little bit about whether you have seen that as well and some of the pros and cons of taking that workload and making it remote research? Yeah, definitely. So I think, like I said, at the very initial stage, there were a lot of clients who just sort of said, right, research is on hold. And then suddenly they realized, well, we actually still need this input. We need this data to make our decisions, but we can't do in-person research. So how can we gather this data in alternative ways, essentially remotely? And I think, as you pointed to, a lot of people were thinking, okay, let's do a survey. In some instances, surveys are a great tool. But in certain areas, a survey is just not going to give you what you need. And so we were looking at alternative ways of gathering research and information for clients that were beyond the survey and trying to replicate some of the in-person studies that we did in an online environment. So we've done, since COVID happened, we've done some online focus groups, we've done sort of an extension to focus groups, message boards, where we have people log in over the course of maybe two or three days. We provide many topics of discussion. They can interact with each other to gain feedback that way as well. So that's a couple of areas we've been looking at. In the past, we've already utilized online research in things like IDI sessions or one-on-one sessions with people remotely, where we've looked at things like path to purchase. So as consumers go through, let's say they're purchasing a new television where do they start off the research online what search terms are they using which websites are they visiting what are they looking for information wise what sort of is crucial information out there what is missing and so on so there's there's lots of ways of conducting research online even if it's not the traditional in-person face-to-face which we probably do about 80 percent of the time cool so what a explore that a little bit. And by that, I mean the remote research that you ran through, those virtual focus groups, the message boards and things like that. Talk me through some of the benefits and challenges of doing research that way. Like what what can you learn using these methods? And when are those methods poor substitutes or good substitutes for in-person research? Yeah. So I think things like the online focus groups and message boards, it obviously still means we can gather data in these unprecedented times. And I think it definitely gives the participants a level of comfort knowing that they're not gonna have to come into a focus group setting and expose themselves. So that is a big advantage. One of the other areas is it means that they can do it in their own time in the message board. So we typically run them, I think I said over two to three days, doesn't require everyone to be there at 6 p.m. like you might do for a focus group. We can post a couple of comments or tasks or discussion points throughout the day and if they're on when they get the notification they can go in and reply immediately but they can also interact whenever the time suits them during the day and I think given how people's lives have changed so much over the last what seven eight months having that flexibility to interact at times that best suit them is advantageous for that kind of research. Yeah, that uh, making that research sort of time agnostic on the participant end, I'm sure, is a huge benefit. Exactly, yeah. And I think we definitely saw good engagement with participants. I'd say typically 
the engagement was highest sort of first thing in the morning and what I would guess is around just after dinner time when they probably have a bit more spare time. We typically posted a sort of the night before so it's where there when they woke up and then mid-afternoon so that if they were around in the afternoon they could respond but we saw highest engagements in those sort of early morning and evening times and I think it's sometimes when you do have a focus group as I'm sure you've seen when moderating there will be people who are quieter than the others I think with the online message boards you saw a lot more engagement from everyone I don't think there was perhaps people who were shy about putting their hand up and speaking in front of a group they could just participate from behind their screens for sure for sure you made an interesting comment about making participants comfortable via completely remote research not having them come in and and risk exposure i want to explore that a little bit further in terms of in-person research during a pandemic. So for the sorts of projects where there's no substitute, where you need to have that in-person research, what are some of the best practices for making participants comfortable? Like what works and what doesn't? Uh, For example, cleanliness means different things to different people and different levels of exposure they're comfortable with. Sort of walk me through that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very timely because we're actually getting ready next week to do our first in-person research this year so i've been doing a lot of extra work in terms of making sure that runs smoothly so i think first and foremost following a lot of the cdc guidelines in terms of wearing masks while conducting research social distancing so if it's in-depth interviews just one-on-one we'll make sure that there's at least six feet between the moderator and the participant If it's focus groups, it will be reduced numbers. It's a lot harder to get eight people around a conference table and still socially distant them. So we'll have to make those adjustments. A lot more in terms of sanitization as well. So every single touch point being sanitized, we've got a load of Lysol wipes, sprays, UV light sanitizer for equipment that we're looking at. And also we've got plexiglass screens as well. So that will be in place between the moderator and the participant for next week's sessions. Any best practices that you want to talk about in terms of making moderators comfortable? Sort of what works and what doesn't from the moderator facilitator end? Again, all the above, knowing that we've got that in place and we're enforcing it. As we reach out to participants in advance of the sessions, as we schedule them, we're sort of letting them know about what's in place. We're also telling them that they need to wear a mask when they come in, that if they've been feeling sick, then unfortunately we'll have to postpone the session and do our best to reorganize it at a time when they're better as well. So I think just really limiting any potential exposures to COVID. So I was wondering if you could speak as well to some of the challenges with getting participant feedback in sessions. So for example, you mentioned a lot of the work that strategy analytics does is around pre-market systems or interfaces where you might see a participant in a study complete a task, but their eyes are furrowed or their mouth might be upturned to express some frustration. A little bit difficult to read that if someone is wearing a mask. Can you uh, talk to some of the experiences you've had, how to get around that if possible? Yeah, so there's really, I think, a couple of issues I'm foreseeing next week that we'll be looking to overcome. I think the first one 
is that as both moderator and participant will be wearing masks. So simply being able to hear what they're saying, I think, I'm sure you've had discussions even just in like grocery stores and stuff where you ask for something and you maybe have to repeat yourself a couple of times because the mask can muffle what you're saying or you may not hear what they're saying quite as well. So I think that will be one of the first challenges and sort of just making sure that we ask them to speak clearly, speak loudly, doing that as moderators ourselves to set an expectation of what is good for them, good for us. And then, yeah, like you said, reading facial expressions, I think those initial reactions that participants get, the looks of surprise, delight, frustration on their faces will probably not be able to be captured as succinctly as we're perhaps used to doing. So one of the things we always encourage when we're doing research is a think aloud protocol. So getting users to talk about what they're going through, what they're experiencing. So I think just, again, reinforcing that saying, look, unfortunately, with a mask on, I can't read what you're thinking based on your face. So if you can just speak to that, let us know whether something is good, bad, you like it, you dislike it, and just even more so trying to sort of talk to your thoughts rather than expressing them via your face. So we talked quite a bit about what sort of research has come to the forefront with remote surveys and remote focus groups and message boards and the challenges of doing in-person research in a pandemic. Has there been any lines of research that you are working on that have not been affected at all by COVID? Yeah, I'd say one of the areas in which we don't actually require any end users is something called technical performance benchmarking that we do. So this is things like looking at battery testing, for example. So for that, we just need to have access to products, devices, and then we can run the testing for those in our remote research locations anyway. So I think that's one of the things that we've been continuing as normal as possible over the last six, seven months. Okay. So you had mentioned before as well, one of the challenges in these times is the curtailing of travel and a lot of clients' budgets being squeezed. And even when projects are approved, they might not necessarily be able to join on site. For some of these efforts, whether it's remote on-site research that you're conducting for an out-of-market client, or even like remote message board focus groups or remote interviews, how do you involve a client in some of those research efforts? Thankfully, that's something that we've experienced anyway before COVID. So sometimes there were clients who couldn't attend the research in person, or maybe one person could attend, but they had colleagues who also wanted to view the sessions. So we already have capabilities to fully stream sessions, whether it's cameras set up, recording over the shoulder, what someone's doing on a mobile device or on the screen of the car entertainment system, for example, cameras facing the participants, or if it's using a mobile device or laptop and capturing the screen and sort of just sharing that remotely, that's all things we're capable of doing. We also fully record every research session we do and make those available, putting them on a hard drive at the end and sending them every single session of research so that if they care to, they can go and look back on it as well. And then typically when we do reports and look at the research we've done, we'll also include video highlights. So 
even if they weren't able to attend in person or maybe missed something that was said or done, that's captured and there'll be clips detailing that. So I think I always say to clients, if you can be there in person, that is the best thing to do. But it isn't necessary. It is still you can still be sort of immersive in the research experience without being there in person. So one other question I had as a global research firm like Strategy Analytics is, have you encountered any issues or regional differences between conducting a remote or on-site research in the U.S. versus uh, in the lab in the U.K.? Can you speak to that? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I think obviously we're used to conducting research all across the world, the U.S. and Europe being some of our bigger markets, China as well. And I think one of the things we've been monitoring very closely is where it's opening up and actually allowing gatherings, being able to conduct research. I think in the UK at the moment, where one of our main offices is, there's still restrictions in place in terms of how many people from different households can gather and where they can gather. And I believe they're actually going back into further lockdown this week in parts of the UK. So that is definitely a limiting factor. Again, in the US, restrictions in terms of which state you can travel to can potentially impact that as well. So I think in terms of actual regional differences, it's more governed by what sort of local regulations are in place. I think that's the biggest hurdle to overcome there. One last question I had for you is about just as a research practitioner, how has COVID permanently changed the way that you approach research? Have you found that you have a different mindset towards different research topics or methods? Are you open to new methodologies that you hadn't considered before? Can you talk me through that? Yeah, I think definitely more open to new research methodologies. I think whether you like it or not, online research is going to be bigger, at least in the short to midterm future. So it's trying to also convince the clients that we can still get them the research to the level they require and expect without in-person research, perhaps. Just in terms of sort of more of the practical aspects, I think longer lead times. So recruitment is taking a bit longer because there's still participants who are less willing to come in so or take part and the flexibility around that. I think you just, again, flexibility. Sometimes things will suddenly shut down again. And so you may have to postpone or delay research. So I think it's just working around the conditions we're presented with and sort of making it work. Yeah, I think flexible is the key word there. All right. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. This was fascinating. I know I learned quite a bit and hope to apply more of this in, uh, in my research line and hope to be able to conduct a project with you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Derek. And hopefully, yeah, like you said, we'll see each other doing research not too near, not too far future. Before we go, a future episode of UX Soup will be devoted to listener questions. So get those into us now. Email us at uxsoup, all one word, at strategyanalytics.com. A reminder as well that UX Soup is presented as always by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights on mobile, automotive, or smart home. 
by visiting us at sa-ux.com. Please remember to subscribe to UX Soup on your favorite podcast platform or by visiting our show page, ux-soup.com. You can also visit that show page to follow Chris, Lisa, or myself on LinkedIn or Twitter or listen to any of our episodes. Thanks again. Bye for now. Thank you.